This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. It's December 13th, episode 2828, brought to you today by Eagle Equine Products. Good morning, horse world. Can't you hear those bells? Can't you hear those bells? Can't you hear those bells? Well, that's Templeton Thompson, and you'll be able to hear Templeton Thompson live tonight for the HRN Holiday Concert. You'll be able to go over to Horse Radio Network or Horses in the Morning's Facebook page, and you'll hear Templeton singing. We're going to have a trivia competition before it starts, so 7.30 tonight, we'll have trivia, and 8 o'clock, Templeton and Sam show up for the holiday concert. We're giving away thousands of dollars in prizes, including one lucky person is going to get their choice of any Wintex saddle. So tune in tonight for Templeton Thompson. We look forward to seeing you all there. We want hundreds of people in there. Also being broadcast on Monty Roberts' Facebook page, too, so uh, you can catch it over there as well. So that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. How it was, do people sign up to win the prizes? They have to join us live, and there'll be a link we'll give out live tonight. So you have to be there to sign up. And how do they find the, the concert? They go to the Horses in the Morning Facebook page? Or Horse Radio Network Facebook page. Just or go to Horse one of those Radio two Network. Facebook pages or Monty Roberts Facebook page. Or if you're an auditor, it'll also be in there. So, so. you can watch it any one of those places. Hang out with us. A couple people said they're going to be watching it while they decorate their Christmas trees. I know that was kind of cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. I got a wrap presents. I'll turn it on. There you go. Well, that'll be fun tonight. We're looking forward to it. A little holiday for tonight. Uh, but uh, un- unfortunately, this morning, for the first half of the show, we have to talk about something a little bit more serious. Uh, we hear from Sarah Coleman, Executive Director of the Kentucky Horse Council, on the status of the farmers in Kentucky after their horrendous tornadoes over the weekend. And we hear the harrowing story of a father and son who were sleeping in their living quarters trailer when the storm hit. We're going to hear about that, plus a little holiday fun toward the end of the show as well. Uh, now, uh, we're going to get to our daily winnies, but did that storm hit? Did it? Did you guys feel that storm as it was on its way across? Yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we didn't have any tornadoes here, uh, but what we did have was, I mean, insane gusting wind. I was standing in the round bin with a basically feral horse, and all of a sudden, a gust of wind came, Glenn, that knocked me over. Like, I flew forward. This poor horse is like, this girl's crazy. Uh, <laughs> Why is she I flying? The poor thing, <laughs> half to death. But, like, the wind, I mean, it just picked up and blew dirt. I think half my arena is in the road right now because of the wind. I, I've just, I've never seen just gusts of wind that intense. It was just amazing. And I can't imagine, like... Here, you know, if we're going to have weather, the the National Weather Center is in Norman for a reason, because we have 
You are the tornado capital of the country. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I can't imagine the people that didn't have, you know, if a tornado's coming or something's coming, we have sirens everywhere. The weather, you, you, like everybody texts everybody to be, you know, quote, weather aware and to get on the television. Everybody watches Channel 9, the news. This guy's like super intense and, and goes over everything. And they have storm trackers out and they have people, but. Not every place in the country, you know, that that experiences these tornadoes. I remember when I was in Georgia and we had a tornado, it just, boom, just showed up and nobody knew it was coming. And so I can't imagine being in rural Kentucky. So we'll definitely learn a little bit about that later. And we're going to we're going to do our daily winnies a little later, too, after we do this coverage. You know, the last I worked for the Red Cross for a lot of years as a volunteer, and the last time I actually went on a call was in Kentucky, and that was in West Liberty, Kentucky, in the mountains of Kentucky, and that was for a tornado that completely destroyed the city. We got there, I got there the night, uh, it happened in the morning, and I got there that evening to open up the Red Cross Center, and we had hundreds of people coming in the minute we opened, um, and it, the town, I had just never seen anything like it, so when I looked at these pictures and the videos from i mean this it was multiple tornadoes in eight states uh now they're saying more than 100 dead which i'm sure is going to be much higher than that the one was on the ground for 227 miles that's Mm. just unheard of i mean it Mm -hmm. just and that one was like a mile wide in places Mm. and if if you look at the map of kentucky where that tornado went it went from the lower left corner cut the state in half all the way up to the, the upper right corner it was just, and it just missed Lexington. And, you know, Jamie and I have a fondness in our heart for Kentucky because we both live there. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we live there in Lexington for a time. We have a lot of friends there. Uh, we have a lot of friends in Kentucky. We have a lot of listeners in Kentucky, too. So our thoughts are with them. You know, there were factories and warehouses, and we all heard those stories over the weekend. They say, and we've all seen the pictures of Dawson Springs in western Kentucky. By the way, we went by Dawson Springs on our trip this year. On the road show, we went right through, because we came up through uh, the southwest of Kentucky, up to Lexington from where we were in Tennessee. And so we went through all the places that this tornado hit. Um, it was, they say that 75% of the community was wiped out. Um, mm. The American Red Cross has eight shelters open and set up in Kentucky. If I was still in Kentucky, I wouldn't be on the show this morning. Uh, in addition to Kentucky, tornadoes from the same store were reported in Arkansas, Illinois, Indiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Ohio, and Tennessee. At least six people died in the the collapsed Amazon warehouse, and we all heard about the candle factory. Now, what I didn't know about the candle factory, and we've all seen the pictures of it, there was like nothing left. They did have a warning, and they got to the safest place they could in the factory, but, I mean, you all saw the pictures there. There was just nothing left. Um, I'm so glad when you built your house, you built that shelter into your house, because... You know, when you see this, you realize, yeah, that's going to come in handy. (laughs) So I'm so glad you did that. Um, I've been seeing and hearing a lot of reports of uh, livestock lost. Uh, There were cattle, horses. Uh, We're going to have a guest on here shortly that will talk about the one farm there. Then I think they lost a horse there. Um, So there's all kinds of things being set up uh, to fundraisers being set up and things like that by some reputable organizations in that area that where you can donate. There's also, uh, I posted this yesterday and I can't find where I posted it. Let me check the horse in the morning page. Cause I want to talk about this real quick. 
Um, it was a place you can get help if you were, if you know, yeah, here it is. It was done by the Midwest Horse Welfare Foundation, and it is an emergency micro grants are available for horse owners and small rescues who were damaged by any of the 30 tornadoes on December 10th or 11th. Funds may be used for emergency horse hay, transportation to vet or temporary housing, medical supplies are applied toward vet fees. Uh, you go to fleetofangels.org. Fleetofangels.org is where you can go for that. I posted that in our Horses in the Morning Facebook page. So if you know of somebody, if you know of a rescue, if you know of a farm, if you know of horse people that were affected by this and they need some help, then that's one organization, the Midwest Horse Welfare Foundation. That's a reputable group. Uh, we've we've uh, talked about them before. So they have these micro-grants. And I don't know how much it is. I don't know any of the details, but uh, you know it is something that they can go apply for. Um, the Red Cross doesn't help with this kind of with horses or animals. That's where you know we're going to be ha- we're going to be talking to uh, Sarah Coleman, who's from the Kentucky Horse Council. She'll she's going to be able to tell us more about where the help comes from there. Um, whereas the Red Cross really is meant to help people, uh, and so uh, we wanted to cover a little bit about what happens on the horse side of things. It's not something I certainly thought we'd be talking about in December. You know, not. This definitely fluke weather for sure. Mm-hmm. But let's go to, there was a story I saw that was, well, we're going to let Jess tell it, but uh, she organized, knows the family and organized the fundraiser. She herself is not in Kentucky, but I asked her to come on because she knows the whole story. And it's probably, if if you have PTSD, did I say that right? Always get that Post-traumatic backwards. stress yeah, disorder. Thank you. If you have that for any kind of thing of anything, then I wouldn't listen to this. You can skip 15 minutes ahead because what these people went through is my worst nightmare. Jennifer said, oh, God, you're covering this tomorrow. You won't be able to sleep for a week. So this was always my worst nightmare. It almost happened to Jennifer on our trip. Uh, so when when I read this, it was like, okay, we have to talk about this because it was so traumatic, and it kind of describes what people went through that night. So we're going to get Jess on right now. She was so kind to come on on short notice today and talk about what her friends went through. Well, as I said, coming up now, we have Jess Kubiak, who agreed to come on at short notice. Thank you, Jess, for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So tell us about the family that we're going to be talking about today. Sure. So Miranda and Jordan are um, good friends of mine. You know, we connected through the horse world, which is such a unique community in itself. Um, I really connected strongly with Miranda over the summer, I had a younger girl I was mentoring and Miranda was coming and giving her lessons with her barrel horse. So that's kind of how it got started. And then um, Jordan started hauling with the company he hauls with by, again, this young girl um, because she needed her horse hauled down to Arizona. Um, And the shipper had said, you know, she was looking for a partner as she can't haul full time due to other commitments. So it was just probably... I want to say about four or five months ago that Jordan started to haul full time. Um, So that's kind of how I know them is through the horse community. Um, And they're just wonderful people. We've really become very close. And, you know, this year, especially just doing more things together. We've gone to a couple shows together. Um, You know, we try to ride together frequently. We just try to spend as much time. And then Miranda's two sons are very close in age to my son as well. So it works out. It works out really well that we've become as close as we have because we're really able to intermingle with our families. And how old, how old is uh, Bentley, the one son? 
Bentley is nine. Nine. Okay. So she has two sons and they're, they're and Jordan and Miranda are, are engaged. Correct. <clears throat> okay, good. So Jordan, and as I understand it, the one son, Bentley, just, we're hauling a horse, right? Yep, they were. So um, Jordan's work rig is actually out in Colorado. Um, he got stuck out there about two weeks ago now. So he decided that um, while that is getting repaired, he wanted to obviously still make money. So he took out his personal truck and their personal rig. And Wait. he was just going to do like a local Midwest, you know, he didn't run, he didn't really want to go more than 12 hours of Wisconsin to just kind of haul some horses. So just a quick, like weekend run is what his plan was. And uh, his rig is a living quarters horse trailer. Correct. Yeah. Um, they actually just got it like two months ago. I think uh, Miranda's only been in it once. <laughs> hmm. So he made a trip with a horse to Kentucky. Correct. Yep. Um, Kentucky, where he was uh, in Kentucky was the last stop. That was the last horse that he had offloaded that night. So he shows up uh, the other night at this farm and offloads the horse. And as I understand it, they were kind enough to say, hey, stay the night. It's late. You can spend the night in your trailer here. Yep. Yep. They said, you know, that's fine. Go ahead. Park it. Spend the night. Not a big deal. Um, I don't exactly know what was going on with the weather, but I do know that there, it sounded like there was some bad weather coming, just like up here in Wisconsin. We knew that we had bad weather coming over the weekend as well. And then what happened? So, um, and now I have some more details as I know more, and I've talked to Miranda and Jordan over the weekend more. So what happened was um, Jordan had told Miranda on, let's see, what would this have been, Friday night that um, it sounded like, the weather was kind of bad. It was windy. Um, you know, it just sounded like a storm was coming in. So he said, I'm going to stay up until the storm passes, but you know, everything's fine. We're good. This is nothing that we haven't dealt with before. Uh, everything's all right. So she said, okay, sounds good, whatever. Now I don't exactly know the time frame. I want to say this was around probably between 10 and 11 at night that he had talked to Miranda and said he was going to stay up and watch the storm. He, um, wrapped Bentley up in a blanket and put him up in the gooseneck where the bed is. And after he got Bentley up there, he went to grab his phone charger, um, still in the living quarters portion of the trailer, and the sirens went off. And it wasn't even, from what I was told, it was like the sirens went off and within seconds he heard the truck detach from the trailer and it began to roll. So him and Bentley were in the living quarters portion of the trailer at this point. And the trailer yep. is basically airborne and rolling at this point. Correct. So Jordan said from what he remembers, he remembers the trailer rolling three or four times before him and Bentley were ejected. Um, they were ejected. He, again, he was parked um, near the barn, so like in a field, in an open field. And he, it was pitch black, so he couldn't see Bentley. He, he, he was oh, screaming God. for Bentley. As I, like I said, now I found out more details. So it's just, it's so, it's so eerie, but it's truly a miracle that they were ejected when they were. Um, so he found Bentley. Bentley was thankfully only like two feet next to him and he grabbed him and he told Bentley, hang on to me and do not let go. Um, and he hung on to Bentley for dear life and found a fence post and they, he hung on to the fence post and Bentley until the wind settled down enough and then he carried Bentley. He had to like army crawl because he said he was in so much pain 
he didn't know if he could do it, but he needed to get to the house. Um, and he got to the house that was nearest to them. So by the time the second siren went off, um, he was, he was at this person's house and they were helping them get inside and get into the basement. And uh, where, how bad were they hurt? Um, so Bentley has 14 stitches, I believe, a laceration on his forehead. I haven't seen pictures yet, um, and he's pretty banged up um, aside from that, but it doesn't sound like he has any more severe injuries. Jordan does have four compression fractures in his back, and um, it sounds like his foot, one of his one of his feet has some compression fractures in them or like a hairline fracture. So he is not able to bend over and he's really having a hard time walking around. Miranda said, so, you know, they don't know when he's going to be able to kind of get back to hauling or doing any, you know, really doing any activity. We're going to post, I, Jamie, you see the picture there. We see the picture of this horse trailer. And by the way, it does look brand new, at least before this. Um, and yeah. it, it basically, I mean, the whole roof is gone. The slides have collapsed. The fact that they made it out of this alive is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone said. They said it's a blessing that they were ejected when they were and how they were. Because um, when I talked to the woman, her name is Sarah, who helps them into the house, um, she said that, she said the only thing that stopped that trailer was those trees. Yeah, it, it hit a tree. Roll. Yeah. Yep. Had it not hit the tree, it would have just kept going. And the, where were uh, they ejected? Like, how were they ejected out of this trailer? That I don't know. I haven't got a chance to ask them, and I didn't want to pry too much because I knew that emotionally this is still really hard. I mean, Jordan said he's never experienced anything so terrifying in his life. Uh. Um None of us have, I don't think. (laughs) That's just terrifying. Right. It is. It is. So I don't, you know, it's an aluminum trailer. So I don't know if um, our best guess is that one of the panels must have came off. And from what we, what I know, I believe they were up in the gooseneck part. I think, I think that it was Jordan grabbed the phone trailer and was like getting back up into the gooseneck part where he had Bentley wrapped in the blanket and that's when he heard it detach and it started to roll. So I don't know if the roof came off or like one of the sides, you know, around that gooseneck part ripped off. Um, Cause that's what I thought about myself. I'm like, my goodness, where did they get ejected? Like where? Cause at first when I heard ejected, I thought they were in the truck driving. Mm-hmm. But if right. you look at pictures of the truck, it doesn't look like the truck ever rolled. And I guess it, it all is about the truck was about 75 feet from where he had it parked when they found it. Wow. Holy smokes. You know, this is an incredible story. And I understand that the farm didn't do too well either that they were at. Yes, correct. That is my understanding. So Sarah, who helps them in the house, I don't believe she owns the farm. I think she um, she owns the house that's like right near there. Um, a gal named Brianna owns the barn. And so I don't, I don't know the full details on it. But um, the horse that Jordan delivered was missing for the better half of um, yesterday, I believe. And they finally found that horse. That horse is okay. Unfortunately, Brianna did lose two horses. Um, And from what I can see, a majority of the barn is gone. It looks like just a portion of the hayloft and like part of the barn. I think Sarah told me like some of the cinder blocks are left. Um, So it does sound like they had significant damage as well. 
Well, this is, I mean, our thoughts and prayers are out to everybody that was affected by this, you know, these guys especially, and, and all everybody that was affected by this. Now, you did set up a fundraiser, because obviously Jordan's not going to be working for a while, and, you know, he has to get back home. He's in the hospital uh, in Kentucky. They live in Wisconsin, right? So, um, all of that has to happen yet. And when I saw this, I thought it was just a good uh, GoFundMe to help support for this. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. It looks like you have gotten some support since I looked the last time, thankfully. Um, so yes, we have, which we're very grateful for. Well, uh, you know, I just can't imagine being in the situation and then him, you know, having the kid with him and just, ugh, I mean, I heard it, Jamie groan because that's every parent's worst nightmare, right? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. it is. So, and the strength he found with broken back, basically, uh, yes. to get that kid to the, you know, to hold on, first of all, uh, and then mm-hmm. to get back to the house just says something about him, too. So, we're going to post a link to this uh, GoFundMe in the show notes. It's always hard to find these because they have such long names. So, just look in your show notes for today's episode, and you'll find the link there if you want to donate a little um, for this cause. I've, obviously, there's a lot of donation places set up uh, for you know, for all for all the different things that were affected by this, the people and the, and the animals and everything. So this is just one I saw, and the story just uh, just jumped out at me. And Jess, thank you for joining us today and helping us understand what happened. Wow! Absolutely, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it, and I know that the family really, really appreciates everything that everyone has done for them as well. All right, thanks, Jess. Take care. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Thanks. Well, you know, stories like this are horrendous to hear. That was, as I said, you know, one of my worst nightmares. Uh, we had that bad storm when Jennifer was in the camper by herself on, in Michigan, which uh, which you're going to hear again because I'm put, putting it up as one of the replays while we're out on holiday. But, wow, that's incredible. Well, you know, horses horses get stress from a bunch of different things, not just bad weather. They pretty much have stress from living. And one of the things <laughs> that helps them with that is MagnaGuard. Yes, it does. It helps prevent ulcers and other gastric issues by giving your horse the happy tummy he deserves. MagnaGuard helps calm horses in two ways. First, the magnesium in it is a natural calmer, and it also keeps the gut feeling great, which allows horses to relax. It contains important trace minerals, and it's all natural and can be fed continually without negative side effects. Customers have reported healthier, shinier coats, less colic, healthier hooves, and overall healthier horses. You have a discount code that will get you 15% off one time at uh, health at eagleequine.com. The discount code is HRN. All the products come with a money-back guarantee, so if you're not satisfied, contact Eagle Equine Products for a full refund, but you won't be dissatisfied. HRN. All right, let's go to Sarah Coleman next. We're going to do one more guest on this topic of the storms, and then we'll get to something a little happier uh, in a few minutes here. But, uh, but it's, it's putting a face with these 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 things that happen that make it real to people, you know, like to hear the story of Jordan and protecting his child and, and, and all of that. I mean, it just, it paints a picture that you might not get just by listening to the news. You know, I just, it's, I'm glad we highlight things like this. It's tough, but, but I am glad. Let's take a look, look at the bigger picture with Sarah Coleman, executive director of the Kentucky horse council and, uh, and a friend of ours for many, many years here on the Horse Radio Network. And you got to work with her quite a bit over on the Retired Racehorse mm-hmm. show. So she she's the big boss now of the uh, 
She's gone on to bigger and better things. Yeah, she left you in the dust. She's like, I don't talk to you people anymore. Although she did agree to talk to us this morning, so there's that. So let's get Sarah on here. Hello, how are you? Good. How are you, Sarah? You're on the air with us. Awesome. I am okay. How are you? Okay. We just had a guest on who told a harrowing story of a guy and his son who were in their living quarters trailer and got thrown around and rolled several times and managed to get ejected and lived through the whole thing. It's just craziness. Oh, wow. It's wild. It is wild. It's awful. It's awful is what it is. So tell us, what are reports are you getting now on, you know, we, there was an individual story about one guy who survived barely uh, with his son. How about you guys? What are you hearing on a broader level across Kentucky as far as the ag community is concerned? Sure, absolutely. So we have been, you know, that we're super blessed that the ag and equine community here is, is very close-knit and tight. Uh, so we have had been in touch with our state veterinarian, Dr. Katie Flynn is fantastic at keeping us all updated. And she had let us know last night she had sent a group of us a text and just basically said uh, that they're aware of some poultry facilities are damaged uh, with loss of life, loss of chickens, uh, but also that there are some damage to the, the swine areas out there, but there has been no loss of life, thankfully. And yesterday afternoon, she was not aware of any specific cattle and equine um, being affected. However, I have been on the phone this morning with a bunch of different people who had let us know that Princeton was also another area that was, you know, very clearly impacted by the storm and that there's a pocket of um, quarter horses and some other different breed specific areas of multiple horses down there that has been affected. So we're working on getting in touch with, you know, the extension agents down there and figuring out, you know, if we get donations, how do we get them? How can they be distributed? Because all of us clearly are not located down there. So we try very hard to find a point person in that area, which is almost always the extension agent who have a very good awareness of the different, you know, agricultural commodities, grain and livestock that are grown down there to disseminate, um, things that are donated, essentially, so so we can make sure that everybody uh, is able to receive some of those. So well, we had um, we had a couple people, are, I'm super grateful, the Kentucky Horse Council page, people have been sharing and posting about, you know, stalls that are open and different things like that to, to care for horses that have been impacted. We have not, again, we're still kind of, you know, we none of us want to go down there yet. We need to make sure that the emergency personnel on the ground have the ability to do their jobs first, you know, secure uh, people who are harmed and that kind of thing. And then as the information trickles out from there, we're going to try to rally the troops and make sure we can get in the the items, including feed and hay, um, that are needed down there. Hey, well, I can tell you there were, they lost at the farm where the, the where this guy and his son were in the trailer, they lost two horses at that farm. And I've, I've seen other places, you know, other places reporting uh, yeah. loss of life. Um, now you can, you're saying down there to give everybody perspective, Lexington's kind of in the middle upper part of the state and the Correct. state's pretty big. So it, this happened in the Southern Western part of the state and then, and then went across the state, but the Southwestern part of the state, all the pictures you're seeing on the news are coming from there. And that's a good hour and a half, two hour drive from where you are, right? Correct. And honestly, the, the other hard hit areas are even further Western Kentucky. 
So when when that tornado came through, it, it did six states. It did Arkansas, Illinois, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, and Tennessee. Um, it's also the same storm that if you're up in the, the Northeast area, it did quite a bit of su- substantial uh, snowfall, Midwest area as well. Um, unfortunately, Kentucky was the state you never want to hear about loss of life, um, but Kentucky was the hardest impact with uh, fatalities as well. Uh, so that tornado was actually on the ground for over 200 miles, and it is believed it's the most devastating tornado event in Kentucky history, which I have great faith, unfortunately, that that is true. Uh, governor Bashir, who is our governor here in Kentucky, went on Sunday morning and said that he anticipated the uh, amount of fatalities. Specifically, there's a candle company in Maysville um, that collapsed, truly collapsed and trapped and killed, unfortunately, quite a few people. They had anticipated that 80 people were killed and were um, unfortunately predicting that that could rise to over 100. And in reading this morning, uh, they actually have eight confirmed fatalities and eight people who are missing. So, excuse me, six people who are missing. So anybody who is, you know, is, is harmed or killed is a tragedy, but it would be a, a blessing, I guess, if not, you know, if those numbers don't get close to the estimated 80 to 100, it would be wonderful. Um, so Hopkins County, Dawson Springs, and May, Mayfield are three of the very hardest hit areas. Mayfield, again, is very large uh, poultry producing area of our state. So that has is going to have some definite, definite, definite ramifications on our ag industry for sure. I will tell you, you know, I was telling everybody earlier that uh, I worked for the Red Cross when I was in Lexington and in Pennsylvania, but uh, the last call I ever went out with for the Red Cross was the West Liberty tornado in Kentucky. Oh, gosh, that one was awful. And, you know, we got there the first day, and so basically we opened the shelter, and right away when we opened the shelter, we had tons of people coming in, and it is something else when you get people. You know, you hear it on the news, but when you're there, first of all, and you see the destruction, the whole town was white. There were cars on th- on the top of three-story buildings upside down, you know? It was just crazy. Oh but then when you hear the people come in and tell you about the people they just lost an hour or two ago, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. And they tell you the stories of how they were in their house, and now this person's gone, and they can't find them. And, you know, that just, you know— it, it just oh, it's awful. It just it puts a whole new. Jamie said it earlier. When you hear the individual stories, it changes the whole picture, right? It does. A hundred percent. You know, 100%. and and uh, you know, I had the fortunate or unfortunate uh, time to do that, but um, yeah. Well, we're thinking about all of you in Kentucky. I know you're going to be busy this week. Uh, I'm glad you're in charge. You're a good person to handle this for for the Kentucky <laughs> oh, Horse Council. Well, thank you. And we, you know what, it, it was it was very heartening. Kind of what you're saying. You know, my phone was ringing off the hook this weekend, and it it gives you a lot of faith. You know that like we can all rally and we can come together because at the end of the day, we all love our horses, right? So that that definitely gave me a lot of faith, and I feel I felt badly that I couldn't give them you know concrete answers of. Yes, we're sending horses your way. Yes, we have hay going down. Yes, we have grain going down. We don't yet. Again, we are still kind of, you know, like you said, it has been catastrophic for some of these areas. And we're just kind of waiting on them to get a handle on what they need. But it it is very heartening to me to see how, you know, the Office of Our State Veterinarian and our uh, Kentucky Emergency Operations Center in Frankfurt, you know, we're all kind of working together to figure out how can we all do the most good and make sure that that we can care for as many different livestock as possible? But you know, of course we are I, focused on the horses. <laughs> of course, you know, I I like to think of what 
you know, when you're when you have kids in front of the TV, what Mr. Rogers said, and yeah. and when you're watching something like this, he said, look for the helpers. You know, when you're yeah. seeing stuff yeah. like this, look for the helpers, and you uh, you're being a helper. So bless your heart and 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 everybody out here who's who's being helpers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we will, the Kentucky Horse Council Facebook page, we will post updates as we have them, as well as potential needs down there. Once I get to, you know, speak a little bit more with the extension agents in those areas, we'll disseminate any and all information we have. But we are are very thankful that people are concerned. Yes, I absolutely will. And thank you very much for for being worried about about Kentucky and Kentucky horses. We're we're very lucky, but right now we're in a lot of need. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care, girl. Bye. So there you go. Um, We're going to switch gears here a little bit now on the show, and we're going to head into a little bit happier talk. Maybe we'll talk a little holidays and Christmas. Um, You know, one of the things I will say about the Kentucky community, when I showed up in West Liberty, there were restaurants and food stores and people that brought out a ton of food within hours of us opening that shelter to the point where we couldn't handle it. We had to turn people away. We had to tell them we had enough food. Um, and that shelter was open for weeks. Uh, but we had a, we had so much food that was, and clothing and stuff. We could not process it all in the, with the people we had. Uh, but that's how generous they were there in the mountains of Kentucky. So it is the South. You know, when this, when people are in need, the South, The people come out. You know, they really do. So if you haven't done all your shopping yet, then head on over to Coro. Coro's the online retailer simplifying the way you shop horse care. With horse-friendly supplies and equipment to fuel your passion, they even have everything from grooming supplies, barn supplies, supplements, tack, and everything in between. They truly are the one source for all things horse. All the products they sell and recommend have been tested for quality, so your horse only gets the best, which is exactly how it should be. They offer the best pricing available, lightning-fast shipping, and auto-ship for the products you purchase regularly. Visit Coro today at coroshop.com. That's Coro, C-O-O-C-O-R-O. C-O-R-R-O-Shop.com. And use the code HRN for 10% off your first order today. That's coroshop.com. Com. All right, we need to change gears here a little bit. How about we do our daily winnies? What do you think? Okay. All right, let's do that. <laughs> daily winnie is one of these. Yes, I have one daily Winnie, one birthday, and that's it for today, and that's Alyssa Becker. So happy birthday to our auditor, Alyssa Becker. Or actually, Cindy Hildebrand is our birthday. Cindy, happy birthday to you. A brand new auditor is Alyssa Becker. So, <laughs> She's like, I got him backwards. birthday? <laughs> <laughs> I got him backwards. Alyssa. I was watching that. I'm like, I can see what you're reading. And I, I, I was scrolling up to find it. Um, so, Alyssa, we want to thank you, too, because if it weren't for you, we would have had no new auditors last week. So it's because of Alyssa that we we did not have a big goose egg. So thank you, Alyssa, for joining the party. If you, too, want to become an auditor, you can go head on over to horseradionetwork.com and scroll down the right-hand side of the page and click on the auditor banner. And we're going to do the equestrian first-world problems in the post-show. So if you want to have access to that... You have to become an auditor as well. That's right. We do a post show almost every day. When we when we have time, we do a post show for the auditors as well. Okay, my players. There it goes. <laughs> 
So, you know, I'm in the upstairs portion of my house and Abby is downstairs cooking something delicious. Make me whatever you're making. <laughs> Make her a burger too. <laughs> she is vegetarian as oh, well. Okay. So whatever right. she makes, I can eat. Um, okay. So my daily when he goes out to Aaron Makowitz is an auditor of ours. And congratulations to Aaron. She just adopted Bubba's Quest from me. Bubba's Quest is a lovely three-year-old off the track thoroughbred who came for training and just add another. We need to get a map and put a push pin of all the places auditors have adopted our horses from. So I'm really excited for she's this guy is so cool. This guy is so cool. She's going to have so much fun with him. And she's going to take it nice and slow because he is really young. And he's got this great brain. He's just super green. He only raced five times and he doesn't know anything. So he's going to remain here in training until the shipping company can come. On a side note, the shipping company is finally coming to pick up Helena. Oh, yeah. Her racehorse that she adopted from me. This mare is unreal. She's so cool. And she is going to head up to Rhode Island tonight. So she's got a long couple of days. I'll pump her full of Amiprazole and <laughs> Gastrogard, get her in the trailer. And, and she'll uh, make her be making her way up to Rhode Island. Heck of a journey. So I was trying to get Bubba's quest on that trailer because he's going to Pennsylvania and didn't have any room. Yeah. <laughs> well, congrats. You know, we we definitely are the podcast that has adopted more horses out to listeners <laughs> than any other podcast in the That's world. Anywhere else, okay? <laughs> Just here. We can claim that one. <laughs> so I will be picking up probably one or two new ones here in the next week. So if you're in the market for an off track thoroughbred, stick around. <laughs> where, and where can they see pictures and videos of them? Oh my gosh, I post everything on my Facebook page. Uh, a little bit of the training every. I'm sure people think I only work horses for like 70 seconds, but I do more. I just post a, a touch of a smidge of it on my Facebook page, which is at Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, certified Monty Roberts instructor. All that, but usually you can find it with Flyover Farm. Got it. All right, let's uh, let's play a song that was done, and it's a week late, and I apologize because Hanukkah ended last week. But Bizstam did Hanukkah songs for us every year, and I could not find it. I looked all over the place, tried to find it. I finally found it over the weekend. So in honor of everybody who finished Hanukkah last week, our own listener, Biz, submitted this for Radiothon a couple of years ago, and uh, we're just going to play it. Thank you, Biz. Hanukkah is a festival of light. Instead of one day of presents, we get eight crazy nights. If you feel like the only kid in the barn without a Christmas tree, here's a list of other Christians who are Jewish, just like you and me. American Pharaoh lights the menorah. Amen Zayat spins the dreidel on the flora. And guess who drinks? Man of Shevitz. Dressage Great, Robert Dover, and Margie Angle Ahitz. Georgina Bloomberg's half Jewish. And you know, I'm half Jewish too. So put us both together, and that's one horse crazy Jew. <laughs> so many Jews are in the horse biz. George Moore 
Chris isn't Jewish, but I heard his accountant is. Hanukkah, guys. Isn't that great? <laughs> She's so clever. She did a couple of those, uh, that, that, but I found that one. So <laughs> that's good. Hey, you know what it's time for? It's what? time to taste. So it's tasting time. Last Wednesday's show, we had Jill Stanford doing our recipe of the week. She did the Pendleton Cowgirl Whiskey Fudge, and I promised that it wasn't fish. I would try it on Monday's show. So now, just so you know, Pendleton's is a whiskey that is yes. delicious all by itself. So paired with chocolate, I'm excited <clears throat> to hear how this goes. Well, I didn't have Pendleton whiskey because I'm not much of a whiskey drinker. I drink whiskey sours, but that's about it. So I had a t- bottle that hasn't been opened of 12-year-old Town Branch bourbon, which is pretty expensive bourbon. So I think it's probably good. I don't know. A bourbon all tastes like alcohol to me. So I don't tell Chad I said that because I know he's a bourbon aficionado, but uh, I ate all kinds of tastes. It's man, man <laughs> it's gonna all take kind of taste the same. But I made this. This was a recipe that actually only had three ingredients, basically four ingredients. It had sweetened condensed milk. It had semi-sweet chocolate chips, vanilla extract, and Pendleton whiskey, a half a cup. So now this is the scoop. I made it, and it came out looking. It looks exactly like fudge. Amazingly enough. Now, oh my God, something you made actually looks like it's supposed to. Now, I put it in the fridge. A couple people that made it over the weekend said that it stayed gooey. I put mine in the fridge and it firmed up just like fudge. So um, now I've had it out of the fridge for about an hour. I'm going to try it for the first time. I will tell you, (laughs) it smells like whiskey. Um, <laughs> one, let's hear a couple of the reviews before I taste it. Joe jo Lynn, an auditor, said, made it today and used Pendleton whiskey. It was pretty good, but boozy. I think I'll stick to my true fudge and sip the Pendleton on the side. <laughs> so Amen, here we go. Sister. Um, Stephanie said, this was funny. We made the fudge today. My daughter was helping make the fudge, but when I added the whiskey, she ran from the pot claiming, ugh, it stinks, smells like rubbing alcohol and vinegar. She's 12. Uh, she said, Keep thinking that way, sweetheart. They tried it and also thought it tasted boozy, and the kids hated it. So there you go. The adults liked it. Yeah, the adults, but they thought it tasted boozy. That's been the the theme here. Uh, Matt said, I cut a chunk of it, uh, and they use bourbon also in it, pinhook bourbon. Uh, and they use a 2018 version of Pinhook pin Bourbon. Uh, she, he said, next time the alcohol level will need to be cut back because it did not cook off enough, and I'm getting a bit of a buzz. So there you go. Didn't I say victory. <laughs> didn't I victory. say that, that it seemed like a lot of alcohol for this recipe? Well, here we go. I'm going to taste the, uh, I'm gonna taste the my case, Town Branch Cowgirl Whiskey Fudge, Bourbon Fudge. I put some nuts in it, too. Hmm. Tastes like fudge. Yeah, I don't think it tastes too whiskeyish at all. Oh, I really like it. Hmm. See, That's the difference proof. is the whiskey <laughs> and the bourbon. See, Matt, bourbon has a completely different. I, is, it's mellower, isn't it? A little bit. I think so. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't have that like that hitch in the face. <laughs> What's that? Like it's in the barrels. You mm-hmm. know, it tastes like barrels. 
I don't know. Okay, everybody that had a problem with the whiskey, try bourbon. It's pretty good. And I used the full amount because I wanted to have the full experience. Plus, I thought it'd be fun to get drunk on the show. To be fair, you've had that bottle sitting around for many years mm-hmm. doing nothing. And so there might be no alcohol left in it. <laughs> I don't think that works that way, does it? Uh, yeah, it'll it does? Like dissipate off of it. Well, yeah. then I recommend using 12-year-old Town Branch bourbon because it makes yeah, this fudge like really good. it's storing it in some, like, beautiful, you know, bourbon. No, like, it's been in my kitchen cabinet. It's been in the kitchen cabinet with sun hitting it. Yeah, there's no This is really good, though. <laughs> I'm liking it. So I'm, I'm saying bourbon's better. I just made the gazpacho last night, so I'm a week behind. I'll try. I'll try to get to it. By the I way, just, Jennifer drank or drank, ate all the gazpacho. Good. She liked Even it. She said it looked like blood. Yeah, but she ate it all. But she did heat it up a couple times. Mm, gross. Mm. I don't know. if She liked it that way too. But this fudge is approved. I thought it was going to be tasting really whiskey after what everybody said, but I think the I think you're right. I think the bourbon helped it out. So if you want to find that recipe, go to last Wednesday's show, and it's in the show notes for last Wednesday's show. I also, by the way, have a new recipe. Um, it's a amazing mac and cheese. So if you guys ever want to get involved, like, put me on the list. All right, we'll put I- you on the list because I love mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. And we have a listener coming on this Wednesday to do a recipe, too. I think she said it's a broccoli soup. So she volunteered to come on. She And I've heard from a couple listeners now wanting to give the recipe. So if you want to do that, just email me at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. We'll get you on too. Tell you us a little bit. Of, <laughs> I know. Tell us a little bit about Arena Saddles while I finish getting uh, tipsy here. <laughs> well, get ready to turn heads with the beautifully styled, meticulously designed Arena Saddle crafted from European leather without sacrificing comfort for you or your horse. This classic elegance and unbeatable quality of Arena Saddles will take your seat to the next level in the ring. Arena Saddles are known for their beauty, comfort, and practicality. You can't deny these stylish saddles have eye appeal, but you may be wondering what makes an Arena Saddle so comfortable. Features like ultra soft seats and knee inserts, a perfectly balance seat, customizable rider support, and extra protective cushioning to give your horse softness and freedom that make Arena Saddles the premier choice for any discerning rider. With the saddles for every discipline and confirmation priced at $15.99, there's an Arena Saddle that's perfect for you. Visit arenasaddles.com to view the full range of saddles available and to find a retailer near you. Now, I know it's not Wednesday, but we thought it'd be fun to end the show today after our beginning of the show to end it with something a little lighter. And I have a list, and this is from uh, a toy site. Which is, Pocketlint.com? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. I thought it was a toy uh, site, but apparently not. well-renowned. Yeah, it is. This is going to be quality here. The, it is a crappy list, so there's that. Uh, the most popular Christmas toys in tech from the last few decades. Now, what year were you, like, started junior high school? What year would that have been? Why Why would you ask that? Well, I didn't want to go all the way back. They went all the way back to 1977. I was going to start from when, or we can start in 1977. It's just like the most popular toy of each year. So, um, um, no, I don't know. What year do you want to like start that. with? That was the year I was born. Really? <laughs> we didn't have junior high. I went from elementary school to high school. So I was in eighth grade with 18-year-olds. Well, That's I graduated high school in 1980. So, 1980. The most popular toy was the Rubik's Cube, and I still can't do it. I've never been able to do the no, Rubik's Cube. Nobody no, can no. do that. I have one, and I twirl it occasionally, but that's about it. 1981 was Smurfs. You were before you were you didn't you weren't even 
you were breathing, but you weren't aware of the Smurf phase. That was a little too young for you, I think. I, I remember the Smurfs. I mean, I was like five, you know. Were you? Four, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, they were really popular for a couple of years. You saw Smurf everything, and then they went away. Uh, the BMX bike was 1982. Every kid had to have a BMX bike. That was just yeah. Chad got a BMX. Bike that was just sure. required. Well, actually, Chad's mom probably gave him a generic BMX yeah, bike, like the Walmart version. Looked, like it was a BMX. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huffy Lightning. He said that's what he had. Huffy, there you go. <laughs> Not the mongoose. Not quite the same. Uh, 1983 was the Cabbage Patch Kid. Oh yeah, I had one. I had two of those: Guinevere Golden and Dolores Diane. Did you really? I mean, whatever. Yes. I didn't picture you having cabbage bed kids for some reason. Uh, Dude, tr- I was a seven-year-old, six-year-old girl. Like, come on. <laughs> some reason I don't picture horse girls having these things. Uh, 1984 was Transformers. They, they were so big. My brothers had those. Yeah. Back then, they were huge. That was a little. I was a little old for Transformers. I I, I didn't even like the movie all that much. Um. 1985 was Care Bears. That was very yeah. short-lived, <laughs> I think. Had a Care Bear. Yeah. 1986 was Teddy Ruxpin. I never got a Teddy Ruxpin, but God, I wanted one. Were uh, Were they expensive? Was that why you didn't get one? Or your parents figured you had enough Care Bears, you didn't need a Teddy Ruxpin? <laughs> <laughs> kind of look alike. I, I don't know. It was probably expensive. Probably <laughs> yeah. too expensive and then kind of pointless. So there you go. Yeah, and they came with books and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He would read stories to you, I think. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Um, and oh, it said the little bear had a cassette tape attached to its back and would allow him to tell stories, and you would change the cassette tape. That shows you what year it was. <laughs> Here, wait a minute. Let me pull your toy apart and we'll put a new tape in it. Um, the Koosh Ball. Everybody had a Koosh Ball. We all had Koosh Balls. That was the most popular Christmas in 1987. Kit? Yeah, the Koosh Ball. Yep, it was invented in 1986 when uh, the guy, Scott Stillinger, when he was having trouble teaching his young children how to catch and finding normal balls heavy and were far too bouncy. So he created the Koosh Ball to teach to, to teach his children how to catch. Well, all right, then. Made some money off of that, maybe. You <laughs> learn something every day on this show. <laughs> the uh, 1988 was the Nintendo console, and that was the first Nintendo console, people. This is when things were pretty pixelated on the screen. Uh, when you're playing your games, they were pretty pixelated. Nothing like it. 1988 Nintendo. Yeah. Let's see if that's the one we had. Oh, I'm sure it's the one you so, had. Uh, we didn't get it in 88, though. I'm pretty sure we got it in 94. Oh, God. We all had the Nintendo. We thought they were the greatest things ever. Oh, see, Chad was a second guy, so. Oh, uh, well, yeah. He, Sorry. Well, he also had the generic bike, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's the Game Boy in 1989, the year after the Game Boy came out, Nintendo Game Boy. And I remember that, too. We used to play in the back of the car. Uh, or, you know, while we were driving, used to play the Game Boy. It was the first ga- handheld game ever, really. That uh, was the, the beginning of the end for devices. I mean, because, like, Lord, help me. Lucas can't go anywhere without one. And I never had a Game Boy. No. On its first release in the United States, Game Boy sold 40,000 units on the first day and went on to sell 118 million units worldwide. <laughs> 118 million Game Boys. Wow. <laughs> so we didn't even have Nintendo. We had it was called um, Intellivision. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I think I had one of those too. 19. You look, Chad just looked at me and goes, You rich bee. Like, <laughs> what? Cheap one. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what 19- are they now? Like, 
Exactly. <laughs> 1990 was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, uh, the dolls and the play toys. I never got into the Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was no. beyond my time. Pogs. I don't know. what 1991 was Pogs. What is a Pog? I'm going to Google it. What is a Pog? It's, uh, it says here, the history of Pogs are dates back to the 1920s in Hawaii when milk bottle caps a were... Yeah, a, a plastic game. disc or cardboard printed with a design or picture collected or swapped by children. I uh, missed that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1982, Talking Barney. Boy, Barney's one of those characters that you either loved Barney or you hated Barney. Was... No, we were not a Barney family. <laughs> no, we weren't either. Uh, and if you're a Barney person and you hate us now, email Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, 1993 was Talk Boy. I don't know what. Talkboy was a cassette player and recorder that actually started life as a prop for Home Alone films. It proved popular in a working model and made it uh, for Black Friday that year. And it sold like hotcakes. I don't, I don't know. It's a, it was like a little little cassette. There you go. Don't know that one. Power Rangers in 1994. Yep. Power Rangers are still popular. <laughs> so, um, Not really. 1995. Everybody had them. People probably still have them on a shelf someplace, and that's being Was it Beanie the um, Nirvana Nevermind cassette tape? Because that's what I had. In no, no, it was Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. Uh, Beanie Babies. I never got those. No, that was probably getting old for you at that point. I had one of these. I think everybody had one of these. I think I got one for Jennifer for Christmas one year, the Tickle Me Elmo in 1996. I got the Hug Me Elmo for Lucas when he was little. Um, and it was it, it was really cute. <laughs> like, not gonna lie, it was really cute. Like I hugged it. Tickle Me Elmo started the craze of things going hot on the secondary market. I think at eBay was around. Started right around then. So Tickle Me Elmos were going for thousands of dollars. It was craziness. It's crazy. That was Tickle Me Elmo was one of the things that started that craze. And you paid a thousand dollars for it, and your kid played with it for fourteen minutes. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Nineteen ninety-seven was Tomagotchi. The little yeah, those are those Furby thing. There are those little egg things that had like a little pet in them. Yeah, I remember I was teaching riding lessons at Champagne Run Farms in Lexington, and I would have to take Tamagotchis away from people that were riding because the kids were riding, and they'd be in line for their turn to jump, and they'd be feeding their stupid. Oh yeah, you had to keep it alive, right? It was just a screen. (laughs) I don't want it to die. It's not a thing. The next year after that, 1998, was a Furby. We still have a Furby pack someplace, and every time we move the container it's in, it wakes up and talks. Oh, my God, that's scary. Inside the container. It still works. I don't know how the batteries have lasted all this time. Furbies were so popular. They sold 40 million units of Furbies. Wow. Pokemon. Never got into Pokemon, even after the latest game came out. That is all. The Pokemon cards are still insane. So everybody at Lucas's school trades Pokemon cards. And now they banned. You can't trade them in, in school anymore, but you could have them with you. So, of course, kids all trade the Pokemon cards. Anyways, he's like, we need I don't have any. Everybody has some. I don't have any. And I remember being that kid who, like, didn't have the cool stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'll take you to Target and we'll get a little pack of them so you can at least have a couple. So we go to Target. This is like literally three months ago. We go to Target. I walk in. I'm like, hey, where are all the Pokemon cards? Oh, we had to stop carrying those. 
Why? Um, why did you stop carrying Pokemon cards? They're super popular. Uh, because people would be lined up when the trucks unloaded them and they <laughs> would fight. <laughs> Apparently people got into fights over purchasing Pokemon cards. So they just were like, we're just not going to sell them in any Target anymore. Talk about no, a lifespan. This was po- this was the most popular toy in 1999. That's 22 years ago. It's Everything crazy. else we've talked about has come and gone. Pokemon's still here. Yeah. Oh. Uh, 2000, the Razor Scooter. God, I was always dangerous on a scooter. I never did yeah. scooters very well. You don't do scooters. No. I think we got a whole scooter, so terrible idea. <laughs> uh, I don't know. 2001 is a doll called Bratz. I don't know. No, they're little, like, hooker-looking Barbies. Yes. <laughs> I should be <laughs> They're like Barbie dolls, but they look like hookers. I'm looking at a picture. They look like hookers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I remember, like, oh, somebody wanted one. I was like, oh, no, no. That's a terrible example for a young girl. And now look at girls. They dress like that all the, the time. T- Here it says the heavy made up fashion dolls caused various controversies, especially when it emerged that they were being manufactured by underpaid Chinese workers. Abby, uh, did you ever have any Bratz dolls? No, she didn't get them either. <laughs> they do look like hookers, I gotta say. Um, uh, the next one, 2002, was uh, Beyblades? Oh, they're, those are like roller blades? They're li- but, no, like, they're little toys. They're little twisty toys. I don't know. Beyblade. I don't know. They were popular with the anime people. I would never get an anime. The next one was also uh, one I don't know. Uh, Robo Sapien? Robo Sapien toy, a high tech toy, remote controlled, sixty seven different programmed actions. Don't know that one. Beyblades. I just remember Lucas saying something about that, and Abby was saying it's like a little toy, and these little things go around them. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. I never never saw that. I don't know the Robo Sapien either. Two thousand five. Sapien. Yeah. What the heck it was a little that? remote controlled robot guy. I don't didn't ever got that one. Uh, and I was a geek and I didn't have that one. 2005 had one of these Xbox 360. So nah. yeah. Do, what, what is your uh, gaming thing over there? PlayStation 2 or something? What's that one? PlayStation 2. Yeah. PlayStation 2. Yeah, that's what we have. That's what Lucas got uh, for his birthday was Chad's well, old PlayStation 2. In, <laughs> in 2006, the most popular toy was the PlayStation 3. Oh, there, well, you, there go. you go. So it's older than that. <laughs> 2007, the iPod Touch. Remember iPods? We started podcasting when iPods were the only way you could listen to us. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. You had to download it to your computer, the file, and then you had to move it to your iPod. That's how you had to listen to podcasts when we first started. Wow. Because there were no phones. There were no smartphones. iPhone hadn't come out yet. Uh, 2008, Elmo Live. Good old Elmo. He's still around. Uh, 2009, The Nook. That was the first. I think it was uh, that was before the Amazon Kindle. That was like the Barnes and Noble one of the of the book reader. That was like one of the first. Um, 2010 was the iPad. So you know everybody. How many bazillions of those have they sold? So, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was on the Burt Show in Atlanta, they made me when the the iPhones first came out. It was such a big deal for somebody to have an iPhone that they wanted to do an experiment. And so they sat me in an outdoor cafe and I had to have an iPad and I had to be looking, I had 
I had security with me. Okay. Just so you know, <laughs> I was sitting at an outdoor cafe with an iPhone. And as I was using the iPhone, they counted and uh, how many people would stop and either stop and look or stop and ask me questions about, Oh, is that the new iPhone thing? Like uh, that's how big of a deal that was when the iPhone came out that we did a radio bit about it. And what, do you know what year that would have been? The iPhone came out. Oh God. What year was that in my life? I, I, it'd be easier to Google it than to me, go down memory lane and remember what year I was on the Burt show. <laughs> Met you in 2008. So probably 2005 or six, 2007, June 2000. 29th. Yep. So there you go. It was around that same time that we started. 2007. There you yeah. go. God. Yeah. I feel like it's been around longer than that. All right. So I'll run through the rest of these quick. When 2013 was Elmo, uh, Elsa doll in 2014. BB-8 in 2015. Star Wars BB-8. Uh, 2016 was another Nintendo console system, the Mini. 2017, Cosmo. What's Cosmo? It's a robot. Fully customizable. Apparently, you 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 treat your child like crap because he doesn't have any of these things. <laughs> what what year was that? 2017, Cosmo. Oh, yeah, I'm a terrible mom. <laughs> Probably would have been into that. 2018, the AI robot. The boxer AI robot. You didn't get them all these tech toys. Uh, no. 2019 was, oh my gosh, was the two-in-one glamper set. It was Dream Toys. I Where'd they get what? that one from? I know. 2020 was the PS5 and the Xbox Series. That's, of course, yeah, that's true. And 2021, who do you think was the most popular selling <laughs> toy? 2021. It's got to be some sort of gaming console system, something like nope. that. By the way, I'm realizing I am a terrible mother. I have to give my kid <laughs> any of these. 2020, well, you tried to decrease screen time as much as you could, too. Um. 2021, think about what the most popular character in any TV show or series in the last two years has been and how cute it is and how many toys and things it's sold. Oh, God, there's nothing cuter than Baby Yoda. Yep, that's it. Baby Yoda. Everything <laughs> Baby Yoda was 2021. <laughs> so I got you. my nephew. Spoiler alert. I hope he's not listening. Um, he's six. Uh, it's uh, the it's a Baby Yoda remote control, like in that little basket thing. <laughs> it drives around. It's so cute. I can't stand it. <laughs> Baby Yoda I want to get one for me. <laughs> it is cute. So there you go. There's your list of toys through the years. Now, what do we learned today. We learned that Jamie is a terrible mother. Oh my God, I need to get my kid something, baby Yoda. <laughs> you need to get him something. Something that's on the list, at least. I don't know what you've been buying your kid. Jeez. No toys, nothing to play Do with? You know, let me tell you a story. Glenn, <laughs> I have uh, my, my dad is, you know, he has been very successful in his life and he has no grandchildren besides Lucas. Okay. But I have to, I make an Amazon list every year. Uh, this year, no different. I made an Amazon list for, you know, like grandparents and my brother. Anyway, like, like, so you can just buy something off this Amazon list. I make things very easy for my brothers to purchase Christmas presents because I was like, that's the deal. I have a kid now. You have to buy him something for Christmas and his birthday. That's it. And so Amazon's made it very easy. I make a list. Do you know what my dad did? 
Bought everything on the list. Bought every, no everything shit. on the list <laughs> and sent it up. And I went to consult the list to add on. It was empty. I was like, what happened to my Amazon account? It got hacked. My list is gone. That D-bag bought everything on the entire list. And I'm like, well, Christmas makes me look like a jerk. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to put my name on some of those. I'm telling you what. <laughs> Cuz like here's another one from Grandpa. Here's another one from Grandpa. Ridiculous. Well, now I Jennifer and I wanted to buy him something, but it looks like Grandpa has it covered. We're good. You're good. There's no Amazon <laughs> list left. Amazon has run out of things for my child. You can buy him a uh, interactive Robot Homo sapien Robo sapien. <laughs> I'll see if I can find one of those on eBay. <laughs> Yoda baby thing. I mean, there's always baby Yoda. You can't go wrong with baby Yoda. <laughs> but that's the only thing you have left. I, I, you're right. I have nothing. You know, and the thing is, like, I bought him some books, right? Like, I'm like, I'm gonna get this kid reading more. I buy him books, and Grandpa buys him every freaking toy on Amazon. I'm like, okay, now I look like a big jerk. Well, if your brothers like, hadn't fallen out of the job and actually had kids, then this wouldn't be a problem. I know. I mean, there's. <laughs> a, I'm like, we have to go through this toy room, and we're going to have to edit, pull out half of everything, because this Christmas is going to fill the room back up. <laughs> and First on that note. Problems. There you go. First world problems. We'll do that coming up in just a second. On that note, we have endurance tomorrow. We'll be back with a full uh, boat of shows this week. Our Again, our thoughts and prayers to everybody that was affected over the weekend. Hang around. We're going to do some serious problems. Some equestrian first world problems I in mean, the post show for the auditors. Yeah, we're going to do those. Spay, neuter, and geld your Elmos. <laughs> no, you need those to breed because then you can sell them for a lot of money. <laughs> oh, baby, taking me Elmo? That would. Oh, I got an idea. <laughs>